Good evening, Hope Church. Good evening. Wonderful to be with you. Uh, we are so blessed by you guys. Uh, my name is Warren McKenzie from Biota Baptist Church, and we're, we're blessed uh, by you guys. Um, have got lots of uh, friendships here in the church, and so it's a, it's a great joy for me to be able to be here tonight and to bring the word for you. Um, at Biota, we're working through the book of Romans, uh, and so I'm going to be doing uh, a verse, uh, some verses from Romans chapter 3 tonight. So if you want to uh, open the word, grab your Bibles, we're in Romans 3, and we're looking at verses 21 through 26. Romans 3, 21 through 26. All right, let's hear now the reading of God's word together. May we have ears to hear. Verse 21, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is God's word for us tonight. Amen. Let's uh, pray together and ask for God's help as we look upon his words this evening. Uh, gracious God, we just come before you now. May you give us ears to hear your word, to uh, be changed by scripture. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us through your words. And so we ask tonight, Lord, that we would not be just hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of your word. That we would be those who receive your words in such a way that we would fall more in love with you as we come to the scriptures. And may this lead to an increase in our obedience towards you as well. Uh, would you guide us by your spirit tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we are looking at one of the most amazing parts of Scripture. All of Scripture is amazing, but we land upon the doctrine of justification by faith, the teaching of justification. And the, the Apostle Paul arrives at this section after a long journey towards the cross. Uh, when I say a journey, it's chapters of seeing the extent of of the problem of mankind, namely sin. Chapters of dealing with the human condition that we have all fallen short of God's good standards. Uh, when we look upon Romans 1, for instance, we are introduced by Paul uh, to the um, to the gospel, that this is setting the stage that the, the letter of, to the Romans is going to be about the good news of Jesus. Paul says that he is set apart for the gospel and he is going to make the gospel known. Um, and he delves pretty quickly into the problem of sin in the first chapter, um, discussing the reality that we have all rather than following our creator we have turned and served and worshipped created things rather than our God who has created us. That we have all um, fallen short, we have actually shown that we are without excuse. God has made himself known to all people through all that has been created. So we have no excuse. Not only this, God has also given us uh, knowledge of his law written upon our hearts. In addition to this, he's given us a conscience as well. 
And the reality is that because God has made himself known and given us this knowledge, we are without excuse. And it doesn't matter whether you are a Jew, as Paul is talking about in the book of Romans here. It doesn't matter if you are one of God's first chosen people who had the law, whether you had the, the mark of the covenant of God's people, circumcision, that won't get you in right standing with God. Likewise, if you are a Gentile and non-Jew, we have all rebelled against God's good ways. And as a result, we deserve his righteous wrath. So Romans 1 to 3 is a, is a heavy journey of looking upon our sin. To face that reality of what our world is, but also who we are. But that reality is very necessary for us to look upon. And by doing so, we, cannot, we have to understand that we cannot make ourselves right with God. We need to be rescued. We each need a saviour. And as we come to Romans 3, 21 through 26, it lands us on the good news that God has in fact provided a rescue for sinners. What I'm talking about here, of course, is the gospel, the good news that Jesus is our saviour. But this doctrine that we're looking at of justification uh, is actually what we, many will call the heart of the gospel. The heart or doctrine is known as justification by faith. And this is, in simple terms, the act of declaring one to be righteous in the sight of God. That's what justification is. To be in right standing with God, to be declared righteous in his sight. This very doctrine, or this teaching as we call it, was recovered during the Reformation. The time when the true teachings of Scripture were recovered from the rule of the Roman Catholic Church after such a long period of false teaching going on within the church at large. False teaching such as the emphasis upon one's works to contribute to our justification. All sorts of teachings were added to Scripture. Human traditions were added. The Pope's authority even over Scripture was added to God's authoritative word. So when the reformers began preaching this doctrine of justification in churches all over Europe, there was a glorious and wonderful time in history as people began to return to the true heart of the, of the scriptures. So this is a doctrine that the reformers were willing to die for. They were willing to be persecuted for. And this teaching, among, among many others, but this is the big one, separates Christianity not just from the Roman Catholic Church, it actually separates Christianity from every other religion that looks to the effort of man to contribute to you being right with God. So let's reread verse 21, which says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Those words that we've got here, but now, indicates that there is some, some news to take a hold of. There is an answer to the problem that we've just looked at of, of this sin condition. An intervention has taken place. It's kind of like in a, in a movie where, or, or a story that you, that you might have read where all seemed lost, but then something happened. Perhaps right at the end, someone came and saved the day. Well, this is the kind of thinking that we have here. We've heard this bad news extensively through Paul about our sin condition, but now. And if we return to verse, verse 10 here, we can even see a little bit of this um, depiction that Paul continues to give about our problem of sin. He says, As it is written, no one 
Uh, sorry, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In, the path, in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin." When we hear a description like that about ourselves, it's quite confronting, right? Because generally human beings like to think of themselves as pretty good. And of course, we're not saying that we don't have the ability to be nice to our neighbours and, and kind to people, but this speaks of our true condition, our fallen condition because of our sin. And it is so necessary if we are to be those who are saved by our God, who are justified in his sight, it is so necessary for us to understand the full depth of our depravity, the true nature of who we are. God's law is spoken about a lot in Romans and God's law showed me, it actually has revealed to each of us the fact that I am a lawbreaker. Not a lawbreaker in the sense of our, our, our laws here in Australia, a lawbreaker of God's good laws. There are too many to look upon and, and uh, I've broken most of them as I look upon even the Ten Commandments, we see this. We are confronted with our sin condition. And as a result, we come to the place of stating that I have nowhere left to go. I can't run from God. I can't hide from God. I know that I'm going to be before him in judgment. I have nowhere left to go. But in come these words, but now. This is good news. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God, in fact, can be ours and is ours if we are in Christ. You won't be able to obtain this righteousness by the law. It's manifested apart from the law. The law serves a purpose, as we know. It serves many, multiple purposes. The law of God is good. And one of the key things that it does is it actually drives us towards our Saviour. When you look upon God's good laws, we realize we've fallen short and it sends us to our Savior for his rescue. As we look upon Paul's words, he teaches that the Jews have the law. Does that mean that they are in right standing with God just because they have the written law? No. There is something else that is needed. He goes on to saying that the, the law and the prophets bear witness to this righteousness of God that was always going to be pointing towards the gospel. So this justification, this gospel that we are entering into is what the law and the prophets were always pointing towards throughout the Old Testament. God was always going to send his son. It wasn't as though the law failed and then God said, I have to come up with a plan B here. He was going to send Jesus and the Old Testament confirms and points us to the cross of Christ continually. That's why the, the law, the prophets 
bear witness to this good news that we're receiving. Verse 22 says, The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. This righteousness of God is something Paul writes about a lot in Romans. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Because in comparison, in contrast to us and our state of sin, the righteousness of God is made known to us. The righteousness is shown. And we should marvel, friends, at where this is headed. Because this very righteousness, this holiness of God, this, that, that we look upon and, and should be in awe of God's righteousness, this righteousness comes to us, to those who are sinful, who are not righteous in and of themselves. And we receive righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Not our righteousness is what we have obtained or worked for, but we have received his righteousness. So the sinner, as a result, is declared righteous in God's sight. How did this happen? Was it that you woke up one day and decided, you know what, I really need to start cleaning my act up? Did you wake up one day and say, now is the time for me to be righteous? That's enough of the sinful life that I've been living. I shall now start living righteously. And therefore, will I be in right standing with God by my effort? Or did you, did you keep the law of God perfectly since birth? No way. We have, in fact, received this righteousness through faith. Trusting, believing in the finished work of Jesus at the cross. So having faith in Jesus, trusting in Christ, believing in Jesus means that righteousness has been imputed to us. It has come to us. We are then justified. We are made right. We are in right standing with God. And this is not by our effort. And this is the consistent message of Scripture. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Romans 4, 5 says, Who was, this is Jesus was, delivered up for our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. And Romans 5.1 says, Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful to hear? It's not just that you will be in right standing with God. You will have peace with God. There is ongoing benefits that come to you as a result of being justified by faith. And this, of course, we all needed to have have happened we needed to be justified because our previous position was that we were actually enemies of God we might like to think of ourselves differently that maybe we were open to God but scripture says differently scripture says that we were in fact enemies of God so we needed to be justified and just like a courtroom appearance think of a lawbreaker who goes in and they have a debt that needs to be settled a lawbreaker goes in um, because they have committed crimes and they cannot simply go in there and think that they can talk their way out of it or work their way out of it. The debt needs to be paid. There needs to be justice for the crime committed. And would a, a judge who looks at this situation and say, I think I'll just let you go, would that be a good judge? No, that would be a God who doesn't uphold justice. 
Likewise, we need God to be a God who upholds justice and does have righteous wrath towards sin. God must ensure that the debt for sin is paid. That should worry us. That should cause us to consider the fact that, yes, I will stand before God to give an account. However, when we have faith in Christ and his work at the cross, this is where our life changes. This is where we go into having right standing with him. The courtroom appearance is good because although I have my sin debt that I can't pay for, I learn that someone has paid this debt for me. Someone has, in fact, stepped into my place. It isn't as though I simply one day made a decision to follow Jesus, which would be about my ability to make a good choice and follow, and follow Christ. It's about the fact that I was dead in my sin. That's what Ephesians 2 says. I wasn't partly dead. I was dead in my sin and my trespass. My rescuer came. He came by and paid my sin debt and he gifted me life. He regenerated me by the Holy Spirit and this is a gift to us. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that Jesus rose again from the grave? Not just that you believe in Jesus and think that he uh, seems like a really good guy with good morals that you might try and follow. It's not as though Jesus was simply a, a good role model to us that we could take some tips from in life. Not just a vague, I believe in God either, which could mean anything, right? If you use the term God, could mean all sorts of things. I've met people who say that they believe in God, yet want nothing to do with Jesus. Far from saved. There are many false gods to believe in. Do you believe, though, in the one who can actually save you? So the belief that each one needs is that Jesus died for your sins. That it was personal. That it was fulfilling God's covenant to his people. To, um, it's, it's the reality that God was intervening and stepping into human history to call us to himself. And this is for those who believe that he did this for them. So that they might be brought into right standing with God. Verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This verse is so necessary as part of our description of the gospel and our need for justification. I think verse 23 is actually one of the greatest summaries of the sin problem. A, a, a scripture that you can actually memorize, you can store up for times when you are in a situation where you can share the good news of Jesus with somebody else. We can be talking with somebody about the problems in the world. We can be having that discussion and we can lead to this scripture to say all of us have actually sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of his good standards. Was it just some people in the world? Was it just some who have fallen short and who have sinned? No, all of us have fallen short. No matter how nice you are, no matter how friendly you can be, you have a sin issue that has either been dealt with when you believed in Jesus or is currently still your sin debt. And the, uh, the gospel that we proclaim, the, for by looking at the book of Romans, we know that the wages of that sin is death. 
We've sinned and fallen short, missed the mark. We've missed and fallen short of displaying the good glory of God in our lives. If you are unsure about that, if you're still in a position where you might be thinking, you know what, I'm not sure that I am as bad as what Paul's saying. My encouragement would be to open up Romans 1 to 3. Trek your way through those verses and see if you can make it out the other side without being convinced of the problem of sin that you have. Paul outlines this issue so seriously. So yes, we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Verse 24 says, And we are justified by his grace as a gift. So 23 to 24 is this great transition of the problem of sin transitioning now to what God has done for those who believe. So 23 and 24 together are so important. I'll read them again, 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Right here, friends, is the doctrine of justification. Right here is the teaching that the reformers reclaimed and then proclaimed throughout the churches. Reformer Martin Luther came under fire from the Roman Catholic Church for teaching this very doctrine that I'm speaking about. About this doctrine, he said, this teaching, this doctrine, justification, is the head and the cornerstone. It alone nourishes, builds, preserves and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one hour. Those are powerful words about this, about this teaching. He also said he teaches justification to his people every week because every week they forget it. We can slip away from uh, the teaching of justification so easily. We can move so easily into works and our own efforts. And if we are not careful to uphold this teaching in, in our churches, we can so easily slip into feel-good messages. We can so easily look to think, what will people want to come into the church for and preach a different message? And as a result of going in a direction of preaching a different message, we can end up with a different Jesus. Not the Jesus of Scripture who can actually save us. Rather than a Jesus who bore the wrath of God in his body for us, we can end up with just a Jesus nice guy from history who you can take a few good moral lessons from. We can end up for a Jesus that's just there for us in the tough times. Maybe someone to call on when, when times are going a little bit tough. In the doctrine of justification, we learn of the biblical Jesus who paid for our sins. Through his death, through his resurrection, he has justified all who believe. Friends, this is the heart of the gospel message. Justification, the action of showing something to be right. The action of declaring or making one righteous in the sight of God. And I know when we hear these words with justification and sanctification, we hear all these, these big words, we can often tend at times our brain struggled with, with hearing these things. 
But this is the teaching that needs to be preserved within our churches. And not just for us, but then passed on to the next generation and the next generation and the next. We need to know these words. Justification, just like we need to know sanctification. We need to know them because if you are a Christian, one of those has happened to you and the other one is happening to you. If you are a Christian, justification has taken place in your life and sanctification is what you are currently in the process of until the day that you are with Christ. Sanctification is the process of being sanctified, yes, becoming more like Jesus himself. One is instant, the other one is progression. Justification is instant, sanctification is the lifelong process. Justification happens when a person believes. You believe and you are justified. You believe that Jesus died for your sins. You believe that he was raised from the dead. You and your life come to a place where you declare that this is true. And upon believing, truly believing in Jesus, you are justified. But are you sanctified? Well, that comes next, right? That's the process of change in our lives where we come before God each day offering ourselves, presenting ourselves to righteousness, not unrighteousness. So as we return here to our text today, following on verses 23, we have all sinned, we've fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified by his grace as a gift. And this is what we must realize about what God has done. He has given us the most precious, the most wonderful gift Grace is unmerited favor, meaning you, you don't deserve what you've got. It is the great act of kindness and mercy given to us. Although we didn't earn it, we didn't contribute to it. You can't earn grace. That's not how it works. Grace is something that has to be given from one to be received by another. That's why we call it a gift. When someone gives you a gift, you don't reach into your pocket and think, what will I contribute to this gift that you have given me? Likewise, we contribute nothing to what God has given to us. We didn't pay for it and we did nothing to earn it. This most wonderful gift is received as the verse says, you are justified by his grace as a gift through, how did we receive it? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So in Jesus, in what Jesus has done and gives is the gift of redemption. And the gospel is this beautiful story of us being redeemed by our Savior. Everybody loves a redemption story, right? One of those main narratives in, in so many films and, and stories is the person who has, has messed up. But then towards the end, there's that turnaround scene where they, 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 they're able to make a change in their life. Yet through the circumstances of that, of that movie, they've learnt these valuable lessons and their life turns around. But the difference here is when we come to the gospel, we didn't make any decisions for that turnaround. We didn't find it within ourselves to be able to become right with God and turn our lives around. It is all of grace. It is all of God's work. See, unlike those movie narratives or those stories, we were dead in our sins without the ability to become alive. We needed to be made alive in Christ. There is only one who can redeem us in this way, 
the man Christ Jesus who redeems us from sin, redeems us from the grave, redeems us from our sin condition and gifts us with grace that we can now have this new life to walk in. How does Jesus redeem? Read with me verse 25. How did Jesus come to to do this for us? It says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This is another word for us, uh, another, um, another word to, to, to grab a hold of and know as part of the Christian faith. Propitiation is the satisfying of God's wrath. The satisfying of God's wrath. God's wrath is not something that is, that is wrong and, and should, we shouldn't hide from. God's wrath is righteous. When we look at this world and we see the problems of evil, we want justice, right? So we want God's righteous wrath towards the problems. But the problem for us is that we are a part of the problem. The heart of the problem is the human heart. And God put forward his son as propitiation by his blood. God's wrath was satisfied. So when Jesus dies in our place, what is actually happening is that God's righteous wrath towards sin should be directed at you for your sin. But instead, Jesus has bore this wrath of God in his body. Propitiation is what is meant when we say Jesus paid our sin debt. He's paid for our sins. We use that phrase a lot. This is what propitiation is about. The punishment was the wrath of God. The wrath of God that we deserved, Jesus took upon himself. Condemned he was in our place. And when you think about Jesus going to the cross with nails in his hands and in his feet, beaten and crown of thorns in his head, hung up publicly, mocked, naked, this isn't simply something that we look on in history and go, a really bad thing happened to a really good guy. This is Jesus willingly going to the cross, willingly going to take God's wrath upon himself for his people. To justify you, friend. To get you in right standing with God. That you will have life if you believe. We ourselves should be in the firing line, facing the firing squad for our rebellion against God. But Jesus has stepped in front, taken the punishment upon himself. This propitiation is received by faith. By faith, by trusting in what Jesus has done, by believing, trusting in Christ. And this was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins God has not always destroyed wicked sinners instantly as he would be justified to do to see one's sins and then to destroy them God would be just to do so but in his divine knowledge and forbearance he has held back his wrath on account of what Jesus is coming to do at the cross and then we land on verse 26 which says it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be both just and the justifier 
of the one who has faith in Jesus. God himself is just. He remains just. He would not be just if he let our sins go unpunished. If he allowed us to go on with our sin and never be punished or for one to be punished for our sins, he would be unjust. He remains just because it is Jesus who bore the wrath of our wrath for sin. The debt had to be paid. And he then, through this great act, is the very one who both justifies us and makes us right when your faith is in Jesus, when your faith is in the finished work of what Jesus did at the cross. So if we looked upon these, these scriptures tonight to consider this very important doctrine to the church, having studied in this word, I want to ask the question of you tonight, have you got the right Jesus? Have you got faith in the Jesus of scripture? Rather than following the modern portrayal of Jesus in so many places that that Jesus that just wants you to be blessed and be happy that's not the Jesus of scripture you need the Jesus who bore the wrath of God for you who paid your sin debt the biggest dilemma that every human being has in their life and has ever had is sin and the wrath of God awaits on the account of our sin but justification answers this dilemma. So my encouragement to you tonight, to all of us, is to take a hold of this doctrine, this teaching of justification, being able to explain to one another what Jesus did at the cross, to be able to know the gospel in, in, the, in such detail that we can articulate it and speak about it with those around us. This is a teaching for us to preserve and to protect, to be able to teach to our family, teach to our kids and our loved ones because it's the heart of the good news. My encouragement would be to return to these verses regularly, seeing what Jesus has done for us. Make sure your saviour, Jesus, is the one from scripture who has been crushed for your iniquities. Without that Jesus... There is no peace. There is no peace with God, no true joy, because there is no true justification. Friend, if you have put your trust in that Jesus, you've been taken from death to life. And this is how it happened through what Jesus has done. As you consider this today, we are all in different places in our understanding of Scripture. And so I don't want to miss an opportunity to ask you, Tonight, have you got this first part? Maybe you're, you're familiar with Jesus. Maybe you're, you, you've come along and, and you like what this is about. Maybe you desire to seek change in your life and, and to see, see progress and change take place. But have you got the first part? Have you been justified by faith? Have you understood that although we have all sinned and fallen short, God has a redemptive plan to save sinners? Have you understood that it, that not just your sins, um, not just that your sins were forgotten about, it's not as though simply God is going to let each of us slide. Somebody still had to pay for your sins. God is not a judge letting people get away with their crimes. Our sin had to be paid. So then you must understand that God didn't simply pretend like those sins didn't happen. Jesus had to pay them on your behalf 
Someone had to receive punishment. Someone had to be crushed by the righteous wrath of God. And that person was Jesus. Have you got him? He settled the debt. The sinner becomes justified. The sinner walks out of that courtroom with no debt to pay because Jesus has paid it. So friend, are you one who believes upon that Jesus? There's a saying where people talk about wanting to change in life. And they say, you don't go fishing and catch a, uh, sorry, clean a fish first and then catch it. The same thing for us here tonight as we consider the very reality of coming before God, that we desire change, but have you first been justified? And so, friend, are you trying to get clean, but first you haven't been caught? Come to Jesus and receive life in him. If you have not called upon the name of Jesus, if you've not believed in his death and in his resurrection, then I invite you tonight to come and know Jesus for salvation. We need justification to take place first. So if you've understood that you are a sinner, that you need salvation, call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. He will not turn you away. The only person who can do this is Jesus, our Redeemer. Only he can justify you before God. So friend, come to him if you have not. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save. My lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you tonight for Jesus paying for our sins at the cross. We want to thank you tonight, Lord, that it is not by our effort, it is not by our law keeping, it is not by our ability to be good that we can be in right standing with you. We need this doctrine, this teaching, justification by faith. So, Father, I just pray tonight that you would help us to know and take hold of this great teaching, that it would be, it would be proclaimed through us, from us, to our neighbours, to our loved ones and to our children and to the next generation, Lord. And Father, for anybody who is here tonight who has not come to the place of putting their trust in you to be justified by faith, I pray, Lord, that you will draw them to yourself tonight. For anybody who is seeking out Christianity and is desiring some change and different things in their life, Lord, may they know that they need this first step, justification by faith. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would draw hearts to yourself tonight that we would know your good gospel and by it be saved. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This sermon was preached at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Logan, Australia. For more information about our church, visit our website at hoperb.church. If you have been blessed, please leave us a review wherever you listen. We pray this message has been used by God to grow and encourage you in your Christian walk. Thank you for listening. Soli Deo Gloria.